Welcome to Unpeeled, where we peel back the layers to get to the core of the story. This is Shannon Peel, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us today. Hello, it's Shannon Peel, and thank you very much for dropping in on me and Unpeeled. Today's episode is a That's Life episode where I read a chapter of my That's Life novel, tell you a little bit about how the topic in that novel is part of my life, and then ask you questions to help you think about how that topic has affected you in your life so that you can start to think about how to write your story. So today's episode is Lindsay. Oh, my head. The light's too fucking bright. Fucking sun. Hangovers are the worst. I roll over and my hands connect with a hard body. Hmm, who is this? I open my eyes. Hmm, at least he's cute. Maybe 25? Great. He'll wake up all hot to trot and my head feels like a freight train ran over it. I've got to get him out of my condo. I roll over. My eyes begin to focus. Where the hell am I? It looks like a dorm room. Really? A dorm room? I'm at the university? Oh, man, this is the only way I'd ever get on campus. Shit. I slipped quietly out of bed and tried to locate my clothes, which seemed to be everywhere. Thank God the room is a closet. He sleeps like the dead. I can't seem to find my panties. Was I wearing panties? Oh, I doubt it. Hell, if I was, he gets a souvenir. Opening the door slowly. I don't want to wake the young buck. I slip into a hallway filled with more half-naked young bucks. Damn. So what? I look young enough to be a student. Well, an older student. And they'd be lucky to get an education from a woman like me. I walk out of the building with my head held high. Shit, there are kids everywhere. I need a drink. Can someone please turn the fucking sun off already? Fumbling in my purse, I find my phone and call a cab. I have got to stop drinking so much. I tried a piece together last night. There was dancing. And of course, drinking. Lots and lots of drinking. Who did I start with last night? I checked the calendar on my smartphone. Date with Brandon and number. I text him. What the hell happened last night? No response. But still no response by the time the cab shows up. Oh well, I feel too crappy to be angry. I call Charlie to tell her where I woke up. What about this Brandon guy, she asks. Where is he? I don't know. I don't remember much about last night. I like to party. I party all the time. But I never get so out of control I don't remember what happened. I've woken up in men's beds plenty of times. And I always remember how I got there. Eventually. Last night, though, is a complete blank. Damn, I don't even know if the kid was any good. Now that pisses me off. What's the the last thing you remember? Think, Lindsay. Charlie asks. Drinks with Brandon, I say, at the new wine bar downtown. The one we went to last weekend. 
Okay, then what? She asks. I don't know. He was kind of awkward. Just kept staring at me while I talked. He barely said two words. Just asked me questions and stared at me like I was the best thing he'd ever seen. And damn it, I probably was. Okay, well, where did you go after drinks? She asks me. Did you eat anything? She says. I don't remember food. I remember wine. Plenty of wine. The waiter kept filling my glass. I think we left to go dancing, because I remember dancing. I don't remember where. That's it. I don't remember anything else. I sure as hell don't remember hooking up with that kid. Write it down, she says. Get some water into you. Better yet, sporks drinks. And write down what you remember. I'll be by your place in an hour. Get cleaned up, she says. Well, that's Charlie. She's a lawyer. She's always telling me to write it down. God, like writing it down is the most important thing in the world. I'm not a fucking writer. I'm fine, I say. Good, she says, because you promised to come with me to dinner at my sister's today. Oh, no. I stumble into my condo, paid for by my lovely jackass of a second husband, and drop into bed. Finally, someone turned off the fucking sun. Lindsay's character is based on a woman I met um, a few years ago. I haven't seen her for a few years, but uh, she liked to party. She liked to have fun, and she loved men. Um, made excuses for them all the time. <laughs> but she was a lot of fun. The thing is, because, you know, I was hanging out with her and I was going, you know, I was a bit mental at the time just wanting someone to love me and pay attention to me and i enjoy the company of men so you know i dated a lot and did some stupid shit you know one time i met a guy at the coffee shop and then met him at the coffee shop again and they said oh i want to make you dinner and i thought hey that's great well you know it sounds like a nice thing to do and uh, so i showed up at his place yeah not really the right thing to do. He, there was no dinner. There was a lot of drinking. There's a lot of alcohol. He was already wasted drunk when I got there. I got into the bathroom and came out and he had hid my keys and my phone. Well, me being me, I just kind of played the game until I could find them and then I was out of there. You know, driving home and thinking, oh my God, how did I get myself into that mess? And then I got home and there was all of these messages, voicemails that he'd been leaving me while I was driving. And he was getting man, madder and madder and angrier and angrier. And he's like, I'm messaging all your Facebook friends and telling them that you're a whore and you stole my drugs. And I didn't even know anything about drugs. I just all of a sudden was totally, completely stressed out. What if he messages my parents and says this to them? Then what? You know, what are they going to think of me then? They're going to definitely hate me and not want anything to do with me. Because if some guy calls them telling them I'm a slut and a whore and a prostitute and I stole his drugs, I thought for sure my mother would believe him and hate me. When you are in an unhealthy mental place and your mental health isn't all there, you don't think rationally. You let your emotions 
do a lot of your thinking and behavior reacting and your emotions lie to you they tell you things that aren't necessarily true like your parents don't really love you I mean that comes a lot from my upbringing as well which now when I look back at it I can see that a lot of the criticisms and shaming and though that kind of language that was coming at me was because my mother was in a place of fear and she just wanted me to be safe she just wanted me to be the best me that I could be and she could see what I was doing wrong so if she told me what it was then I would do it right and I would have a better happier life of course I took it wrong and me being me rebelled a bit um but a lot of it comes from her not understanding me and us being so different we've definitely figured that out over the last couple last few years and have come to an understanding of what our relationship is and it is a lot better but at the time due to my mental health issues i didn't see things clearly and was behaving in certain ways that weren't what I would call good for myself uh, or my mental health when it came to dating and trying to find someone to love me. You know, when I stopped dating and started focusing on myself, started to really um, accept me for me, going to therapy, I became stronger. Figured out that I actually like being alone. Figured out that being alone isn't that bad of a thing. In fact, it's a pretty good thing. I don't care if someone likes me or not. I'm not even looking for love. Not even really putting myself out there too much. I mean, I log into you know the odd dating app here and there just to see what's out there. I get reminded really, really quickly why I chose to take a step back and not allow certain behaviors to come at me. When you are in a bad mental health place, you don't have the boundaries, you don't have the voice, you don't have the skills or tools to protect yourself from cruel behaviors. And unfortunately, in today's dating world, there is a lot of uh, game playing and a lot of hurt people, a lot of broken people, brokenness, taking out their frustrations, angers. You know, I had guys yell at me for the stupidest things because they were mad at what their ex had done and I did one little thing and all of a sudden boom out of the water comes this tirade of things like you got to get your life together you don't know what you're doing you need to take life by the reins you can't expect somebody to take care of you you can't expect someone to pay for this that and the other thing and I'm sitting there going all I said was I am looking for work. I haven't had work for a while and I don't know when I'll get a job. You know, I'm looking for work, but I'm not getting anywhere. From their point of view, triggered things in their lives. But of course, when you're not mentally healthy, you take it personally and you see it as more evidence of your worth or lack of worth in the world. Now, why am I saying all of this and telling you how screwed up I was for a period of time after my marriage and that I was engaging in not so 
safe, healthy behaviors. And hanging out with friends that I wouldn't hang out with prior to me being in that situation or since. Well, because I'm hoping that if you are in that situation, that you can understand what I'm saying and maybe it resonates with you. It's important that you know that you're not alone, that somebody else has been there and there have been so many people that have been exactly where you are. The other thing is, is maybe my story will help you understand that being alone isn't so bad. Being alone is actually a good thing because you get to focus on yourself, not on somebody else. You get to focus on building the life that you want to live and the life that is perfect for you and not having to compromise on anything because you're going to be okay. Now, I know that it's nice to have somebody to talk to. It's nice to have somebody at night. It's nice to have somebody that you can call up when the car breaks down. My car would break down. I call BCAA. It came every time. Yeah, I learned how to do things like put furniture together, fix things that I never would have before. You can too. You can do all of that. You don't need a man because there's so many things out there for you to hire, to call. Now, of course, you know, if you're thinking, oh, but if I had a man, then the finances would be easier because, you know, we'd have two paychecks instead of just one and I, you know, we could share all the expenses. Yeah, get a roommate. Uh, you don't have to live with a man. You can live with a woman. You can live with uh, an older person. You know, you can rent out rooms. There's other ways of doing it. Now, if you are not in that place, or you've never been in that place, but you know people who are behaving erratically and engaging in certain dating behaviors that you wouldn't want them to have, I hope that if I assure you my story, you can understand what they're going through and you can understand how certain things that you say to them may cause more stress and cause them to behave in that way even more. When people would say things to me like, you have to love yourself before someone will love you. Well, that just told me that I just was not worth anything. My response to that was always, well, if they can't love me like this, I don't want them. Well, if they can't love me the way that I am now, then they don't deserve to love me when I'm whole. And I still believe that because there's no guarantee that I won't end up back in an unhealthy mental state. You know, if I lost a bunch of weight today and found some guy that liked me because I was thin, I wouldn't want that guy because there's no guarantee that I wouldn't put the weight back on. So what would happen if I put the weight back on? Would he dump me then or not love me or treat me bad because I'm not fulfilling some sort of weird ass need of his? I want someone that will love me for who I am right now and can be there for me even if I go off the rails a bit. When you're scared, terrified, that no one will ever love you, and the things that the people that love you are telling you are platitudes, positive thinking platitudes, like, oh, when you stop looking, you'll find him. Well, there's no guarantee of that. You can't say that to somebody. So then they stop looking and then they don't find somebody, then what? All you're doing is telling them that you don't wanna hear about their pain and you don't care about what they're going through because you just told them some positive thinking platitude to get them to think differently and talk differently and shut up, basically. 
you just want them to shut up, get better and move on. That's not help because you won't even take the time to listen to them. You won't take the time to understand them. A good example of this is I was watching um, Oprah's and Prince Harry's The Me You Can't See. And one of the episodes has the, is about a young woman that Oprah took under her wing. She got her into this rehab situation and it was coming time for her to leave the facility. The girl's having a Zoom call with Oprah and all Oprah can do is pressure her because Oprah wants to know that she's going to be okay. She wants to know that there's a plan. There's A, B, C, D is going to happen and A, B, C, D is going to happen and that girl's going to be fine. She's pressuring her with, where are you going to live when you leave? Well, she didn't know. Well, what are you going to do when you leave? Well, I'm going to look for work. Well, good. Well, what kind of work are you going to find? What work are you going to do? And just the pressure. I could feel the pressure from Oprah coming to, onto that girl, causing her so much stress and causing the PTSD to flare up and putting her back 10 steps because she wasn't willing to listen or hear her. She just wanted to know that she was going to be okay and that she didn't have to worry about her anymore. My mom's like that. My mom is a lot like that because my mom's a planner. She's a doer. She knows what's going to happen and what she thinks is going to happen does happen. She's just been blessed that way. But when you don't take the time to ask the questions, that are about emotions and not actions. How are you feeling? Okay, you're leaving tomorrow. How do you feel about that? Questions that are very open-ended that will lead the person to figuring it out for themselves. And isn't like you are drill sergeant checking things off a checklist. It's how do you feel about the program ending? How do you feel about leaving the facility? Why do you feel that? What can you do to ensure that you are successful when you leave? What do you need from me to do that? It's hard. I know it's hard. As a mom, I want to know that my kids are going to be just fine and that they've got a plan and they know exactly what's going to happen. But I also know that plans don't always work out, that things happen. And I wanted to make sure that I was always a safe place for them to come, a place where they knew they would not be judged, that I would be there no matter what. So think about your language. Think about how you're supporting people. What are you saying? Is it a judgmental thing? Is it something that you're coming from fear and you just want them to know that they're going to be okay? Is this about you and your need or is what you're saying about them and their need and trying to understand where they're coming from and how they feel so if you've been in crazy place and you've done some dumb things uh, whether it's with men or dating or drinking or drugs a host of other things whatever it is that you have used for comfort write about it Ask yourself, why did I end up there? Why did I do that? When I did that, how did I feel? How did I feel afterwards? Should I have felt that way? Is that reasonable to feel that way? Did I feel shame? And if I felt shame, why did I feel shame? Who was judging me? Were you judging yourself? Were you scared that somebody wouldn't love you? Who were you scared that they wouldn't love you? 
So when you start writing the story of the things that you've done and the crazy things that you've done, uh, those things that you're not all that proud of, don't just write the, the action. Think about the emotion. Think about how you're feeling at the time. What was going on in your life? What is it that that thing was giving you to fulfill what need? Try and write it from an emotional point of view where, you know, I was feeling this and this emotion came over me and that emotion came over me and I really wanted this, but because I, because I was feeling so alone and so unloved and this person was giving me attention, I just felt so happy. And I didn't think about how they weren't good for me or they weren't a person I would love. I was just thinking about how good I was feeling because they were paying attention to me. When they stopped paying attention to me, then I felt really empty, felt lost and unloved and worthless. Then I just wanted somebody else's attention. So I went and got somebody else's attention. I hope that you learned something about yourself in, when you do the exercise and that you enjoyed a little bit of Lindsay's story. And regardless of what you think of me now, I'm still here. So thank you very much for coming by. And if you would like to get the journaling prompts, some help in writing your story with some support, become an Unpeeled member. Go to marketappeal.agency and sign up today. This is Shannon Peel. Thank you so much for joining us today on Unpeeled. We want to hear from you, so log into that social media account. Use the hashtag Unpeeled and let us know your thoughts about today's podcast.